The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March Design broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone. And we invite you to come and worship with us. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. So come and join us anytime that you can. 
I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God. Last week we spoke about one of the names of God, and that is the name Jehovah. 
We want to pick up there where we left off last week as we were at the point in speaking about the face-off that was taking place in the book of Exodus. As we read in the book of Exodus where Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh and they identified to Pharaoh who was sending them. And in Exodus 5, it says that when Moses and Aaron went in and they told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that word Lord right there is Jehovah. So from the Hebrew standpoint, they were literally saying, thus saith the Jehovah Elohim of Israel. If you recall our message from last week, we talked about how the word God in the scripture here or Elohim is sort of a generic name for God. And, of course, we know there is only one true and living God, but there were many different Els or Elohims that people would refer to. But this is the one true and living God, and his name is Jehovah. You see, that's what Moses and Aaron were doing. They were identifying to Pharaoh who was sending them, that there's only one true and living God. It is Jehovah Elohim. If you recall, the word Elohim, we said, was more a philosophical than personal, a more abstract than concrete, a more general than specific name for God. And so God further identifies himself to Moses in Exodus 3 when Moses says, Who shall I tell them has sent me? And he says, Tell them I am hath sent you. I am that I am. And that is the name Yahweh or as we would say it, Jehovah, and it literally means the breathing one, the existing one. So you see, it's very important that we see the stage that is set here as Moses and Aaron face off for a conflict with Pharaoh. And notice Pharaoh's response. Moses and Aaron say, the Lord God of Israel has sent us, Jehovah Elohim of Israel has sent us and told us to tell you, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh says, who is Jehovah, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not Jehovah, neither will I let Israel go. You see the great conflict that is presented here, and we're about to see in the next few chapters, and what we're talking about here this morning is one of the greatest conflicts that has ever taken place in the history of mankind. The true God shows up and presents himself to Pharaoh through Moses and Aaron introducing him. And Pharaoh says, I don't know this God. I don't know Jehovah. So there's no reason for me to let the children of Israel go. Who is Jehovah? And over the next several chapters, we find Jehovah identifying himself. If you look in Exodus, the sixth chapter, and and we looked at this last week, after Pharaoh has sent Moses and Aaron away, he says, I don't know Jehovah, and I don't care anything about Jehovah. He goes and he says to his guards and to the army there, he says, make it harder for the Israelites to make their bricks and do all the things they're doing. Don't even give them straw. Let them cut their own straw and provide for themselves. If they've got time to be talking about this God, Jehovah, then surely they've got time to go and cut their own straw. And so the people, of course, get upset. And God talks to Moses again and reaffirms to him. He says that you are about to see Jehovah perform. Exodus 6, God spake unto Moses, verse 2, and said, I am Jehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, that's El Shaddai, 
but by the name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage where they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, I will be your Elohim, and you shall know that I am the Jehovah, your Elohim, the Lord God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And the Lord goes on. A little further, and then Moses speaks this to the children of Israel, and of course they're still upset because they haven't seen Jehovah perform yet. And over the next many chapters, we see a performance from Jehovah like you wouldn't believe. It's just amazing. God proves that He is the Jehovah. He proves that He is the one true and living Elohim or God. And he shows Pharaoh to begin with that He is the God over Pharaoh's magicians who are tricksters and can conjure up little tricks that make people think they've got some kind of power, but the magicians could only hang with the Jehovah God for so long. At some point during the time that God was sending the plagues, they couldn't hang with him anymore. They couldn't do what God was doing. They had a little trick there. Well, they could turn water into blood, but it was just a trick. They didn't really turn the texture of water into blood. It just looked like it because they were tricksters. And they had a few other tricks up their sleeves. But they ran out of tricks as Jehovah Elohim continued to perform. The children of Israel are learning what the name Jehovah implied. But I want you to know that they could not truly comprehend that name Jehovah until God was fulfilling his promises. So we see in the next several chapters after the Lord says, I am Jehovah, there's none like me, and I'm about to fulfill the promises that I made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God goes on and shows that he is the true and living God by proving that he is God over the water. It's very interesting there that the plague that God sends where he turns the water into blood, it's interesting that he does that because the Egyptians believed in one of their creation or origin theories or myths or legends, they believed that life originated out of the Nile River. So you see, there was a great significance to God sending the plague of blood and causing all of the water, even the Nile River itself, to be turned into blood. Nobody could even drink any water for all of those days. So God proves that he is the God over water. He's the God over creation. And then God sends frogs and lice and flies And definitely God proves that he was the God over the insects. So you see, God is just systematically dismantling all of the beliefs and all of the idols of the Egyptians. Because, by the way, the Egyptians idolized frogs. If you've ever seen these little amulets with frogs on them, they still have those things around today. That was an Egyptian myth that related back to frogs. So God is dismantling all of their idols, their false gods. He proves that he is the God over the insects. And then he proves that he is the God over the cattle because he sends this moraine, which means a sickness. And all of the cattle got sick and died, but the Israelites' cattle did not. And then he proves that he is the God, the Elohim over their own health because he sends boils, terrible boils that affected the people, that made them itch and and caused them to feel pain, the Egyptians, and none of the Israelites experienced that. And then he proves that he is the Elohim over the weather. 
It says that when God sent the hail that knocked down all of the branches off of the trees and knocked down all of the crops and whatever, it says there was not one tree left standing. Can you imagine that? You know, tornadoes come through and there'll be these little saplings and these trees, you know, maybe two or three inches in diameter, and they might bend over and stand back up. But here it says there was not one tree standing because God, Elohim, is the God over the weather. And then it says he sent the locusts. Uh, By the way, if you read carefully there when the Lord sent the plague of the hell, it says that there were still some of the crops left, that there was the wheat seed still within the wheat. And so guess what? The Lord sent locusts and ate up the rest of the crops, ate up everything that was left. You see, God is proving he is God over the agriculture, and then he sends darkness. But it says that there was light in the houses of the Israelites. It was only darkness in the Egyptians' house. It says that it was so dark that you could feel that darkness. We have a basement at home. We finished it out a few years ago and enjoy spending time down in that basement. It's always cool in the summer, and it's uh, sort of warm in the winter. So it's a great place to be, and there's no windows in the back part of the basement because it's underground. And very often, from time to time, I may go down there and sleep on a given night if we have a crowd of folks at our house and we need extra bedrooms. And a few times that I've gone down there and slept and closed the door, it is so dark down there because there's no light coming in from anywhere. It's so dark, it's almost eerie. You can almost feel that dark. And I've laid there before and I've thought, you know, I wonder if this is what it felt like to some degree to the Egyptians when they were surrounded by darkness. There was nothing that they could see. It was so thick that they could feel it. And it's kind of eerie. It's sort of unsettling when you're in that kind of darkness. But in the houses of the Israelites, it says there was light. You know what that light was, don't you? That was the Son of God lighting their houses. And we come to the last plague that God sent, and it was the plague of the death of the firstborn. God ultimately, finally, and completely proves that Jehovah He himself is superior over all false gods or all notions of gods that they may have had in their mind because he demonstrates that he has the power over life and death. And, of course, you know, that's when God told Moses to sacrifice the lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost and above the door. And that when God came through, when the death angel came through and saw the blood, he would pass over the houses that had blood on it. That was the first Passover, by the way. When he saw the blood, he would pass over that house. In all of the houses of the Egyptians, there was someone dead in those houses. But in the houses of the Israelites, where the blood was on the door, when God saw the blood, he passed over and there was none dead. And so when the Egyptians woke up the next morning after spending a night of someone dying in every house, they said, go, leave. And Pharaoh, his own son, firstborn son died in this plague, and he said, go, get out. (laughs) There's no question that Jehovah is the true and living God because he's the God over his magicians. He's the God over water. He's the God over creation. He's the God over insects. He's the God over the cattle. He's the God over health. He's the God that is over the weather. He's the God over agriculture. He's the God over darkness and light. And he is the God over life and death. You know, that you think that would be enough to teach the incredible lesson that you don't mess with this God. <laughs> Jehovah Elohim is the one true and living God, and you don't mess with him. And you read about the children of Israel coming out in such a mighty way. The people of Egypt were so upset and so overcome by what had just happened that they even gave the Israelites 
money and they gave them jewelry and they gave them gold and silver and different things as they were leaving and clothes. And so the Israelites took what food they had. They took what had been given to them by the Egyptians and they headed out into the wilderness following the Lord. And after a little while of traveling, several days of traveling, guess where they come to? They come to the Red Sea. And their position next to the Red Sea, and don't believe any of the nonsense that's out there today. Some people will try to downplay what happened at the Red Sea. They'll say, well, it was, it was really just an area where there was, you know, two or three feet of water, and they just kind of waded through. That is such nonsense. There's nothing miraculous about wading through some mud where there's two or three feet of water. But it is miraculous to see from the Scripture that God pushed back the waters of a sea, a deep sea there, and it says that he gelled the waters. It literally means they were turned into jello as the wind blew upon the water. God sent the wind and it, it pushed the waters back and even dried the ground. Like, like a hair dryer would dry someone's hair, God dried the ground. So they walked through dry shod. It means they didn't even get mud on their feet. <laughs> and of course, you know what happened there? They come to the Red Sea and all of a sudden Pharaoh, he's just not had enough and his heart hardens even further and he gets the last thing that he has he's had his crops destroyed he's had agriculture decimated he has had his economy decimated he's had his health decimated only thing he's got left is his military and it was a fierce military it was the best military on the planet at that time he says boys load up we're gonna go kill them i'm not gonna take this He hardens his heart. He gets in this chariot, and all of the men follow him, the military, this great military force, and they go out to the Red Sea. You think he'd had enough, but he's come back for some more of Jehovah God. And so while he comes there, God sends a pillar of fire that prevents them from getting to the children of Israel while they're crossing the Red Sea. I mean, think about it. God sends a pillar of fire so you can't get to the children of Israel. That's enough for me to want to tuck tail and run and go back home, but not Pharaoh. So after the children of Israel get across the Red Sea and they go on the other side there, here comes Pharaoh driving his chariots down into the Red Sea and his men following after him. It sounds like suicide, doesn't it? Who in their right mind, after seeing the power of Jehovah God, would even entertain the idea of charging? But that's what wickedness will do. Wickedness will not give up. Satan will not give up. Whenever the Lord comes back one day, I have said this before, he'll go kicking and screaming into the lake of fire. Wickedness will not give up. Even though Satan knows that God is coming back one day, that the promise is true, and it is secured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he will still cause chaos. He will still cause as much trouble as he possibly can, because that's Satan. That's just how he works. And here, Pharaoh, much like Satan, he knows he's defeated. He knows that he's gotten all of this stuff destroyed by Jehovah back over there in Egypt. He still charges down into the depths of the Red Sea. And guess what happens? In Exodus, the 14th chapter, we read that God causes the waters to fall in upon the army and they are completely destroyed. And in Exodus, the 15th chapter, listen to what is said. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, unto Jehovah. And they spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, unto Jehovah, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Jehovah is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. He is my Elohim. And I will prepare him in habitation, my father's Elohim. And I will exalt him. Jehovah is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, 
hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Do you think the children of Israel got who God was? They realize now, if not before, the plagues and all the things that God sent were miraculous enough, but for sure they realize now that this is Jehovah. Don't you know these children of Israel felt much the same as the people of Israel did in the days of Elijah whenever that great contest took place there, the prophets of Baal versus Elijah, and Jehovah God showed that he was the true and living God. You know, Elijah had challenged and said, if Jehovah be God, then serve Jehovah. But if Baal is God, then serve Baal. And the Lord proved in a mighty way that Jehovah is the true God. And the people said, Jehovah, he is God. Jehovah, he is God. You see, there's only one true and living God, and that's Jehovah. And he proves it here at the Red Sea. And can you picture Moses and all those children of Israel there with their babies in their arms and the mothers holding their children, dads holding the hands of their children, and others gathered there as they looked and they watched the Red Sea come crashing down upon the armies of the Egyptian. Maybe the last thing that they saw was the angry face of some Egyptian soldier holding up a sword that would kill the Israelites. And all of a sudden he's washed away. That whole army is gone and the dead bodies of the soldiers begin to wash up on the shore. Can you picture that? I don't think there's any Hollywood movie that can capture that sufficiently. There's not. So just let the word of God close your eyes as you read this and let the spirit of God and the word of God minister to your mind what that would have looked like. And as they're standing there looking upon what has just happened, how Jehovah has triumphed gloriously, they begin to sing this song. I will sing unto Jehovah. Jehovah is my strength. He is my Elohim. He is my God. Jehovah is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Who is this God? I believe that they knew quite well from the demonstration of his power and the fulfillment of his promise that he is the true and living God. And after they cross the Red Sea, God leads them down into the wilderness to come to the old mountain where the Lord had previously appeared to Moses in the flaming bush and told him to go back down there to Egypt and lead the people out. God leads them back to that mountain. And you know what happens here. (laughs) This is where the Lord is going to reveal himself again as Jehovah, the one true and living Elohim. And in the third month of Exodus 19, it says, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, it's only been three months, they went down into that desert And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain and said, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. I I think those people believe that, that Jehovah owned the whole earth. And notice the Lord says, I bear you on eagles' wings. I destroyed the Egyptians, and I brought you unto myself. Nobody helped him do that. He did that himself. And he's very careful to point out to them, the way you got here was not by what you did or not by what you said, but it is by my own power, by the power of Jehovah. We need to remember that, children of God, when it comes to our salvation. It is God that destroys the enemy. It is God that bears us on eagles' wings. It is the Lord that brings us to himself. It's not us that makes a choice to come to him. No, he comes and gets us. He destroyed the enemy of sin on the cross through his son. And as we conclude this morning, can you picture those children of Israel there at the foot of the mountain listening to the words of God, and in a very short time, they're going to hear directly from God when he gives them directly the Ten Commandments. 
and the commands that he had to share with them there at the mountain. I hope and pray that we can see that Jehovah, he is the true God. He is the true Elohim. And may we praise him for what he has done to our enemies and how he bears us on eagles' wings and how he has brought us unto himself. There is no God like Jehovah. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer. been listening to the march to zion broadcast for more information contact 205-364-1396 or write to the march to zion broadcast p.o box 270 Carrollton, alabama 35447 bethlehem primitive baptist church is located seven miles east of gordo and 10 miles west of northport just off highway 82 on the boyd road near ecola services are each sunday at 10 30 a.m and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.